Anybody remember about a month ago uh, when the worship team sang Days of Elijah song? About a month ago? That's a pretty powerful song. It's an older song. I remember the first time I heard that song was um, I was watching a Benny Hinn rally on TV. I think it was TBN or something. And uh, I don't know if anybody remembers the worship singer that he had travel with her as a lady. And she sang that song just so powerful. That song has always uh, touched my heart. But during that song about a month ago, uh, when they sang, These are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming his flesh. And something like jumped in my heart. I'm like, whoa, something stirred. I was like, wait, what, what? You know, it's like God's trying to like pull on my string, you know, like wake up, you know. I'm like, okay, all right, what's that, what's that about? Never really thought too much about Ezekiel, you know, just a Bible story, whatever. So I decided, all right, I better find out what's going on with Ezekiel and the dry bones. So I, I started, uh, so, so I started uh, reading about Ezekiel, and the pastor a few weeks ago came to me and said, hey, I want you to have a sermon ready in case I need you. I'm like, all right, I know exactly what God wants to say. You know? so, I, so, so we're going to talk about Ezekiel and the dry bones today. But one of the things, you know, we're singing that song, uh, I Will Rise, and I said this in the first service, it's a very emotional song for me as I was uh, just singing that song. And thinking about the loved ones who have gone before, and obviously, you know, Pastor Keith, uh, who we're, we're mourning and celebrating at the same time. Uh, and I never knew Pastor Keith. I don't know that I've ever met him, you know, over all, all my years. But, uh, but one thing, I, I feel like I know him because I see his character and presence in, in all of you who've known him. And when I hear stories about him, yeah, I, I see how Pastor Carlos, you know, he gets that from him. Or, or, or even like uh, Sandra, you know, different people who, who just grew up under Pastor Keith. And their lives are like an honorary tribute to that man of God. And so then I'm thinking of all the different people in my life. Uh, who, and I just have a hope and a joy that we're going to see them again someday. At the same time, we got to live now, don't we? we got to live while we're here. Yeah. And, and so then I think about Ezekiel and, and all the, the prophets of old and, and, and the founders of the church. And, you know, we owe it to them. We owe it to them to live now, to live for God, to press on, to get all the knowledge that they provided, that they wrote down, that they lived through. We owe it to them. We may be living in the last days. This may be the end times, okay? Might be tomorrow. Could be next week. Jesus, you know, the clouds could open. <laughs> the Lord descend, right? It could be. It seems like it to me. But you know what? Even if Jesus won't return for, let's say, 100 more years, it's still our last days. Right. We only get one life. It's not like, you know. Good, yeah. So no matter what, I got to live for God today, you know? All right. So we're going to talk about Ezekiel then. We're going to pay tribute to him and just see what he has to say to us. So if you'd like to open your Bibles, if you got them, I'm going to turn to Ezekiel 37. I believe it'll be up on the screens too. Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. I don't know if I've ever spoken about Ezekiel in my whole life. I've read the story a few times. I think I learned it in... Sunday school. But here we go. Ezekiel 37, verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord 
and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them. And flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, we are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it, declares the Lord. Wow, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we put your first place today in our lives. We want to hear your word, Lord. We want to be obedient to your word. Father, please speak to us today through your Holy Spirit. Please speak to us and reveal your will for us. That we may be cleaned, that we may be strengthened and build up in you for your glory and honor. And for the glory and honor of those who came before us, Father. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. So if I had to have a theme for Ezekiel chapter 37, it would be when God speaks, something's going to happen. You know, God doesn't speak just to be like, hey, God said something cool. No, when God speaks, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. So here we see Ezekiel. And it's a good picture of God's will being communicated. And then some miraculous thing happening. So what are the observations we can take from this? Well, one thing is God's word gave life. So when some, the something that happened when God spoke was that life came into being. Life. The bones Dry bones, bones that just had, they're completely dry. There was no marrow, there was no DNA, no spark left. But when God spoke, they lived, right? Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, there's purpose behind God's word. I like how it even said right there, the joints and the marrow. And we're talking about dry bones for some reason. You know, the joints and the marrow are our most inner core, the very inside of our bones. And God's word somehow can get right in there. It cuts to the quick. Between soul and spirit. I can't divide between soul and spirit. You know, we... We have ideas of what our spirit is, what our soul is, you know, mind, will, emotions, you know, spirit. But it's so intricately hooked together, it's hard to distinguish, but God's word can. It's powerful. God's word's alive and it's active. Another observation we can get out of that. So God's word spoke, it gave life, right? But who really did the speaking in the physical realm? Ezekiel. A guy, a man, a person. Now, we don't know if God spoke audibly in the physical realm to Ezekiel. We don't know if he stood there as an angel. Sometimes angels spoke for the Lord, represented God, the angel of the Lord. We don't know if it was a small, still voice, you know, in his heart. We don't know. It's irrelevant. God spoke to him. And then he spoke the physical words out. He spoke the words out. But he didn't speak presumptuously. Have you ever heard about that prophet speaking presumptuously? You know what that means? So it's, uh, you're presuming that you're speaking for somebody when you're really not. So in the Old Testament, sometimes you'd have, you'd have like a, usually, <clears throat> excuse me, one or two prophets that would really speak for God. And then you'd have a little group of prophets over here, and sometimes they'd get off track. And, uh, and they would prophesy things just to appease the people. It's all going to be okay, they would say. There's going to be peace when the king would say, should we go to war? No, it'll be okay. You don't have to do anything. Okay, and then we trust in God, and they get slaughtered. Or, uh, yeah, go out to battle. God's going to deliver you. And the king says, all right, and they go out to battle, and they all get massacred, you know. So those prophets were speaking presumptuously. In the Old Testament, they were supposed to be put to death because they weren't representing God. <clears throat> How many of you have spoken presumptuously for God? Anybody? I have. <laughs> How many of you have prayed presumptuously? I have. I'm sorry. It's embarrassing. I'll give you an example. I was a teenager and I was in the middle of the night. I was walking several miles home. And it was just the, the worst thunderstorm and rainstorm you've just ever, you know, terrible. And I'm in the middle of the country. I'm walking home several miles, scared for my life. I don't, when I grew up, I was always scared of thunderstorms. I, I don't know why. I just was. <clears throat> Not anymore. But so I'm walking through this storm. I literally think I'm going to be hit by lightning any second. So then I remember, hey, the Bible, <clears throat> the Bible, Jesus calmed the storm. Well, I'm going to do it too. So I'm, you know, telling the storm, be still and all this stuff, you know. Nothing happened, okay? Nothing happened. You know, a couple hours later, made it home. So I'm, you know, I'm confused, Lord. How come Jesus calmed the storm 
It's in the Bible. It's not like I made this up, right? So I asked my dad, Dad, you know, how come it's just not right? It's in the Bible. I did it. It didn't work for me. What's going on? He's like, well, did you get hit by lightning? <clears throat> no. Well, you made it through, right? Yeah. So what are, you, what are you worried about? You know, you're all right. God protected you. I said, yeah, but it didn't happen the way I thought. You know, what, what was in the Bible? He's like, well, well, who told you you said you could calm the storm? I'm like, uh, nobody. I just saw Jesus do it, so I figured I would do it too. Well, did God tell you to do that? No. There you go. I was, I was speaking presumptuously. I was taking, even though it was in the Bible, even though Jesus, our, our perfect example, did something, God didn't tell me to do it, you know? God didn't tell me to do it. I just wanted to do it because I was scared. I was acting out of fear. Now, you know, there are scriptures that specifically talk about protection of the Lord, right? And that's something I could claim anytime. You know, so that, that's a different situation. So Ezekiel did not speak for some. This idea of prophesying over his bones was God's idea. Ezekiel didn't wake up one day and be like, I'm just going to stand as a prophet of Israel today, and I'm going to tell Israel that, that they're going to be saved, that they're going to come back to the promised land, that, that they're going to be revived. And, and then I'm gonna, I, just to prove it, I'm going to go to this valley of dry bones, and, and I'm going to speak life into them. Hallelujah. And I, and I know God's just going to show up. He didn't do that. that. That's kind of what we do sometimes, right? No, God woke him up one day, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And God took him to the valley. And God asked him a question. And God gave him the words to say and the power to say it. And then guess what? God's power did the work. Ezekiel just stood there like this. Whoa! He said, and behold, behold, behold. That's like, he's like, I'm looking. I'm looking and seeing this. I'm looking. And the, you know, I could just imagine these skeletons, boom, rattling together. And then suddenly like ligaments and like tendons are like going all over him, like strings. And, and then like muscles are just covering him. And he's probably like, I've never seen anything like this in my whole life. Like, this is like, you know, anatomy, you know, 101. And then skin, choo, covers them. And then they're laying there. And then he tells the breath to enter them. Okay, and he does that. And they come to life. And they just all get up. Whoa. I wonder if he was like, dude, there's like a million naked guys in front of me. Huh? I wonder if he thought that. <laughs> I never thought about it. I wonder if he put clothes on it too. Who knows? You know? But it's God's word it was god's plan and then it's god's ability that brings it to pass but there's one key in the middle of that there's one key to a man speaking god's word and something happening obedience did you notice he told ezekiel he said i want you to say this how many times when god asks you i want you to say this i want you to do this do we do it I mean, he didn't even have a hesitation. There's not even a mention of like, and so I thought about it, and I contemplated. No, it was just boom. And so I said, I, I did what he told me to do, it says. I did what he told me to do. Boom, and something happened. So that word empowered Ezekiel. That word made the bones live. And then that same word, God says, turned it 
that was like an example of those bones coming to life, those men coming to life. And he said, that's a picture of what I'm going to do with Israel. And so then Ezekiel was able to stand in front of the nation and say, God wants to raise you up as a nation and bring you back. Because they were in captivity at the time. This was the same time as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Jeremiah. Ezekiel was, or Israel was, were slaves. And God said, no, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you back because I have a remnant. And not only was it a word for them thousands of years ago, it was a word in the 1930s and 40s when God was bringing Israel back to the land again. They were scattered all the earth. He brought them back again. And it's also a word for the future. When the Apostle Paul says that all Israel will be saved, when they cry out to Jesus as the Messiah, it's a word for them too. And God's going to put His Spirit within them. So this one man woke up one day, and here he's, he sees the, one of the most miraculous things to ever even happen. All these bones come to life. And, come, you know, and then to speak a, a prophetic word over a nation that will, that will still be relevant for thousands of years. All because it was God's plan, and he was obedient. I tell you, when God speaks, something good is going to happen. If we're obedient. What if, he, what if he said no? What if he was like some of the other prophets? Israel deserves to be dead. Israel deserved it. They turned away from God. How many prophets you heard like that? Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I remember one story. Some friends of ours had a church, and uh, there was a, a lady who was usually used in prophetic giftings. Uh, you know, so it wasn't unnatural that, you know, she would have a, a word of the Lord or something like that, you know, to share. Well, one day, she came literally like in a full body cast, like out of the blue. I don't know what, it, you know, whatever. She's all wrapped up with bandages, like her whole body. And everyone's just like, what is going on? You know? And she's like, and she stood up. This is how the Lord sees you all. You're all just, you know, and she just rattled off this long list of negatives of just, you know, they just were worthless. And it really, instead of uplifting everybody and bringing everybody together, like, hey, we got to, you know, repent for the Lord, it just, like, caused confusion. You know, it turned out negatively, you know. But uh, it just it wasn't what God wanted to say. It was a negative thing. So Ezekiel could have been like that. He could have been like, Israel deserves it. I'm not going to do it, Lord. Like, uh, who was the prophet who did that? Uh, Jonah, Nineveh. He's like, no, I'm not going, God. He wasn't obedient, and he got in trouble, deep trouble. So sometimes our disobedience is what gets us in the belly of the whale you know, or gets us thrown off of a ship. It's almost like you know, we're tra- attracting negative negativity because of our disobedience to the Lord. But eventually, thank God, Jonah got on track. Okay, Lord, I'll do it, please. <laughs> you know, Because God's serious about when he wants to say something. Yeah. Don't take it lightly. He's serious about it. All right, so we see that God's word brings life, that when God speaks, something's going to happen. We know that it takes our obedience to speak forth that word. So, so how can we do that? What are some things we can do? Practical things. Okay, yeah, that sounds great. What do I do? Where do I start? Let's talk about it. One thing, you have to have an attitude of, being about the Lord's business. 
You have to make the decision in your life. I'm going to work for God. He's my employer. He's my boss. I'm going to do what he says, he says to do, no matter what. You know, you, you work a job. You have a career, right? Or like a soldier. There are scriptures that talk about, you know, being a soldier. When the guy's a soldier, he's not a civilian anymore. He doesn't follow these rules. He's got to go be ready for battle. So he has to put all the civilian stuff aside. His life's different. That's why there's like a, a brotherhood in uh, the military and in law enforcement and, and like firemen and things because they have, to li- they have to be ready. They have to live by a different standard than just, you know, we can just go barbecue anytime. We don't care. These guys have, you know, a little beeper on. And, and in the middle of anything, they got to go. They got to be ready. We have to be about the Lord's business, just like Jesus was. It's not anything new. Jesus was a little boy in the temple. He got in trouble by his mama. But he, you know, he said to her, I had to be about my Lord's business, my father's business. That's the only thing we know about Jesus other than another scripture that says that he grew in stature and he grew in favor with God and man. So Jesus made a practice in his life before any ministry of just finding out what God wanted him to do. And he developed that for about 30 years until God said, you're ready. Now I want you to go. And everything changed. And then he started speaking that word out. You know, he must have just been so full up of the word of God, of who he really was, for 30 years. Just like charging his battery up. I could just imagine it. And then the Holy Spirit came upon him when he was baptized. And boom, he's released to the most powerful ministry this world has ever seen. And that's what we have a part of. So find out or be about God's business. So some of the ways you can be about God's business is finding out what he has to say. What does God want to say? How do you do that? How do you find out what God wants to say? And also, find out what God wants to do. You know, if we have a job to do, our employer, they have goals. The owner of the company or management they set your job description, right? You got to find that out. Have you ever been in a job where you really didn't have a good job description? And you're kind of just like, well, what do I do? You know, like you don't really know, well, should I do that job or someone else, you know? And there's confusion in that workplace when there's not clear-cut job description. And a lot of times, a lot of the work just gets undone because no one really wants to do it because they're not sure whose job it is. Or, the, or if you do have a clear job description, you get mad if someone else is doing your job, you know, or you're stepping on each other's toes. So you have to find out. What does God want to do and what does he want to say? So for some of us, it's unfortunate, but we have to read the Bible. <laughs> I don't know why you think it's unfortunate, but we have to read the Bible. We just have to do it. You got to do it. Just do it. Just wait. Just read the Bible. You're like, but what? No, just read the Bible. But uh, I, well, uh, don't just read the Bible. Download it on your phone. You can listen to it too. You know, you could read along with it while it's, you know, you can play it in your car. I mean, it's, we have more technology available to us to read the Bible, to hear the word of God than ever before in the history of mankind. I think we should be taking advantage of it. 
I was talking in the early service about uh, Wycliffe Bible translators who we support personally for years. My parents supported them, if anybody knows about them. But they go out into all the world and translate the Bible into all the different languages. And uh, last time I heard, last, a couple years ago when I went to the last meeting, was that there were like between 3,000 and 5,000 languages still with no Bible, with no Word of God. And many of those languages don't even have a written language of their own. They have a spoken language, but they, nobody knows how to read or write because there's no written language. So these Bible translators will go to these villages and just get in there. They've got to learn the language first. And that takes, you know, probably a couple years. Then they have to actually develop a written language for these people. Then they have to translate the Bible into that language. And these people, when you watch the videos, when they finally receive that word of God that they've heard, they've, they've, they've received Jesus, they've heard the message with words, but when they get to read it, oh, and they have to teach them to read too, I forgot. When they finally read the Bible, they're just literally crying. I mean, you, you're sitting in the banquet hall, just you're weeping because of these, your brothers and sisters, you know, over who knows where, are weeping, thanking you for giving to them that they can have God's word for themselves. They need to find out what God has to say for them. So we got to read the Bible. We just have to do it. We got to have our personal devotions. You have to. You got to know your father. You got to know what he's about, what he wants you to do. He loves you. You have to know it. I don't know what that looks like for you. Like Pastor Cross always says, well, what does that look like? How do I make it work for me? A lot of times uh, I, have a, I have spent time with the Lord on my lunch break. I get an hour lunch every day. Instead of just you know, going out to eat or whatever, you know, I get in my truck. It's 98 degrees outside. I'm in my truck. It's two below zero. I'm in my truck. You know? But that's all my time that I spend with the Lord. Maybe you've got to get up early. Maybe you've got to stay up late. Maybe you have to schedule a time. I don't, it doesn't matter, but you have to do it. You've got to draw near to God. You've got to know Him. And you know what? If you put off a couple days, don't just give up. <laughs> right, yeah. Get back at it. Consistency is the key. Some people give up if they miss a few days or, you know, and they just feel just so discouraged. If you're busy uh, and you're married, and sometimes you and your spouse don't connect, you know, for a few days because stuff's going on. Do you just get divorced? No, what do you do? You come together and it's so great, you know? It's so great because it's like, oh, why were I away from you for so long? And it's just even more wonderful, it seems. Treat God the same way. He loves you. He's not going anywhere, right? All right, so our devotions. Pray in the Spirit. Pray with your understanding, but pray in the Spirit. Pastor Carlos has been talking about this on Wednesday nights. If you want to know more about it, not this coming Wednesday, but the next. Come that night. He's talking about prophecy and different diverse tongues and interpretation of tongues if you need to know. But pray in the Spirit. Some of you have been baptized in the Holy Ghost and you, and you had a wonderful, emotional, glorious experience praying in the Holy Ghost and then you never did it again. Right, right. <laughs> Boom, just make it an everyday thing. Wake up, praying in the Spirit, driving in the car, praying in the Spirit, singing the Spirit. It doesn't have to be like a, a crazy emotional thing. I use it as a tool. It's a prayer. If you read uh, 1 Corinthians 14, it talks about praying in the Spirit, and it says that you, 
uh, a few of the things. It says is that you are praying to God, that you're building yourself up, that uh, your spirit is praying, that you're praying out mysteries. And then it also says well, in your prayer time, he, uh, pray that you would interpret. So you can also have an interpret, so you can understand, hey, it's powerful. Some of the most powerful things in my life, I believe, have been released from praying in the Spirit. Do it. Also, form a plan. Form a plan. So if God's dealing, you, dealing with you with something, an issue, form a plan. Get with him. He'll work it out. He's the master. He invented math. <laughs> I think he knows how to f- do steps and get you somewhere, right? You know? Form a plan. For me, I'll give you an example. This church has had more people saved and since I've been here than all the other churches I've gone to personally in my life combined wow. in the last year and a half. Wow. Come on. Okay, so... Yeah. That's embarrassing to say that I went to churches that hardly had anyone saved. And I was in the earlier service, I was like, what were we preaching? What was I listening to? What's this about? Okay? But anyway, so God's been dealing with me. Hey, you need to get involved with getting people saved, born again. I'm like, okay. Sounds like a good idea to me. I see something's going on here. Somebody knows a little bit of something about that. So how does that look for me? What do I do to get involved in that? Well, for me personally, God said, okay, just take four or five scriptures about salvation, like the Romans' road to salvation. Scriptures in Romans. Take four or five. Write them down. Memorize them. Write down a little sinner's prayer of salvation, something that I can remember, something that I can communicate from who I am. And so I'm doing that. I've written them down so that I can be a part of that. I can have something to offer when somebody asks, what must I do to be saved? Um, well, uh, hey, hang on. Let me get my Bible. Uh, well, I can't find anything. It's nothing's in the concordance. Um, iPhone. Look up crosswalk.com. Okay. Uh, you know, no, it's not. It should be natural. It should come out of you. You should be already worked on a plan with God. So that's something I have been doing. You may do something different. I don't know. But do something, right? Do something. All right. So what else can we do? So we've got to be about God's business. But we also have to start speaking God's word. For some of us, that's very difficult. Because God's word, most of the time, goes against everything. It goes against what the wor- everything in the world. It's the opposite. It just is. It goes against the grain. It, it go, sometimes goes against our own experiences. Yeah. It goes against sometimes our own emotions. It goes against what our best friends sometimes telling us, or even a mom or a dad. Yeah. A gentleman in the early service shared how his own father just just called him a loser and just worthless. And that's, you take on that identity. Well, God's word says something different. So to some of us, it's hard to start speaking that word because it's, it's like a slap in the face, you know. But we got to because God wants to do something big. God wants to change us. So we got to start speaking God's word. 
So when you're speaking God's word, there's two aspects of it. There's speaking, physical words, and there's also doing something, action. Like in uh, James 1, 22, how he said, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So first, obviously, we have to hear the word, just like Ezekiel did. He had to hear the word. But then we have to do it. I think the number one failure of Christians is just not doing the word. We love to hear the word, don't we? We love to hear preaching. We love to sing this, the word in music. We sometimes love to hear prophecies, you know, and just get so excited. But then we just, what did, five minutes later, what did that prophecy say? Um, it was like, uh, praise God. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it felt great at the time. But then we're like, well, what did it even say? We forgot. You know, so how can we do it if we don't remember? But we have to be a doer of that word. And that doing is saying and, and acting, saying words and acting. Here's two scriptures about Jesus on, on how he did it in John 5:19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. And then in John 12, verse 49, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. So Jesus, as he was spending time with his father, he'd get up way early in the morning. Before it was even light, it says. He'd go out all by himself on a mountain. How did he even see to get up there? He did, somehow. Sometimes late at night, he'd send everybody away and he'd just stay out. It doesn't matter how we communicated with God because that's all a personal thing, right? We each have our own ways. The point is, he did. And during these times, it says he saw the Father doing things. So he saw the Father lay hands on people. He saw the Father spit on somebody's face to heal them. He saw the Father spit on the ground, make a little bit of mud, put it on somebody's eyes. What? He did. He saw the Father walk on water. And so Jesus did. Whoa. So there's the doing. And then he says, whatever the Father would say, he would say. So in some form, Jesus heard the actual words of God, just like Ezekiel, and said, I want you to say this, that I am the light of the world. And so Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Saying and doing, saying and doing. That's doing the Word of God. Sometimes those words are words to us personally. Sometimes those words are words for others. I'll give you a couple examples. <clears throat> so when we were first married, we were on welfare. Our lives were upside down. I had no idea how to be ahead of a family. So I had to get on welfare. Food stamps. You know, back then you actually had booklets of food stamps. You know, now it's like they don't even know. You just swipe a card probably, I think. You know? So back then you had food stamps. You know, People would be looking at you like, oh, you're one of those, huh? Sorry. 
But you know what? I, I'm thankful that I had welfare because I had nothing, okay? I'm glad they were there for me. Or I would have been a homeless person probably. My, you know. But at the same time, there was something in me because of the way I was raised. I was a believer. I'd heard the word of God. I, I, I knew I wasn't doing something right. This, this isn't adding up, God. I know I'm not doing your will. Please help me. So I called out to God. I spent time seeking him. God, what, what, who, I, and who am I? This is, this is who I thought I was, a nobody. I thought I was worthless, a failure, lost, no hope for me. Uh, made too many mistakes, so you're not eligible anymore. That's what I thought. It doesn't make any sense, right? I grew up in a pastor's house. What? Well, that's what I thought. But I had heard that I wasn't supposed to be like that. I had heard that. So I decided to call to God. God, who am I? What do you have for me? And over a period of, of weeks, he started revealing to me things about who I was in him, who I was called to be. He's got a plan for me. You do? He wants to provide for me. He wants to give me... a Get a job, son, is what he said to me. Okay, I didn't have no job. All right, how do I get a job? I don't know. He had to show me. Okay, so I was getting on track with God, right? So you know what one of the next things he told me was? Quit welfare. Ooh, Lord. I don't have a job yet, God. What's going on? I'm going to... I'm going to sink here. It's like, you know, Peter walking on the water. He's, he's going to sink. Well, are you going to do what I told you to do or not? Yes. So I sent Monica down to the welfare office, told her to cancel the welfare. <laughs> and you know what? Those welfare people do not want you to cancel welfare. I'm telling you. It's almost like they wanted to get us in trouble for getting off welfare. That doesn't seem right, but that's the way it was. I don't know if it's still like that. So we canceled the welfare. And you know what? Over the next couple months, before I even got a job, like just miraculous things happened financially, you know, different things. We ended up moving, got a job. You know what my job was? The first job I got, cleaning toilets and scrubbing floors. I love to scrub floors. I still scrub the floors. On my hands and knees. That's the best way to do it. You can't get it clean with the mop. You got to get on your hands and knees. You know what I mean? You got to do it right. It's hard on the knees, but but that's my. Hey, I don't care. It's a job. I'm I'm praising God doing it. I was thankful for that little job making like four seventy five an hour, whatever it was. And then they tried to cut out my driving time. Didn't count as work, so I, you know you get paid for like four hours a day. Okay, whatever. Praising God. Anyway, so that was God's word to me. Now that's not God's word to you. If you're on welfare, just don't go quit welfare unless God speaks to you. That was my word for me, okay? Don't be presumptuous about some of these things. Another example. So that was a word for me. So I had, to, I had to say that, and we had to do that. It was difficult. But words can also be for someone else. Another story. For Monica's a year older than me, so she was having her five-year reunion for... Because it wasn't my friends. It was her friends. It's amazing how, like, you know, it was only one year older than me, but, uh, you know, like, friends hardly crossed over the one-year difference. 
very different group of people. Like her class was the rebels, the troublemakers, you know, burning down the school. My class was like, you know, you could have a 4.0 and you were still like 25th in the class because everybody was just so smart. Totally different. So anyway, I don't know if it had us to do with it at all. (laughs) Anyway, so, so she's helping out the planning committee for this class reunion. And she gets to talking to uh, one of her classmates who she really wasn't friends with that much in school. Her husband grew up on my street. It wasn't really friends with him growing up. I, I knew who he was. He knew who I was. I think maybe he beat me up once or was part of beating me up <laughs> with some other kids down the street. He, uh, but that was it. Never talked to him in high school. I did know her two brothers. I ran track and field with them. They're good boys. Anyway, she was, uh, she was relating how she was very sad because the doctor said she had to have a complete hysterectomy and she couldn't have kids and she was just so just you know distraught she couldn't have any children and uh related that to monica i don't even know how that came up anyway monica came home mentioned that to me and and i just felt like a, a burden on my heart i don't know i didn't choose you know just a burden came on me oh that's not right i don't really i wasn't friends with them it's not like you know i'm gonna pray for my friends no I just had a burden, so I went to prayer with it. God, what's going on? You know, interceding, praying in the Spirit over time. And this is what I heard in my heart. I want you to go and tell her that if you want, we'll pray for you. God will heal you and give you children. Hmm. That's difficult to hear. I don't know about That's like Ezekiel standing in front. What? You know? It wasn't my idea, right? I mean... Because you better put up the goods if, you know, you do stuff like, hey, if, but remember, if God says something, it's up to him to do it, not us. What's our part? Obedience. So I sent Monica. <laughs> it wasn't my class. I wasn't invited. <laughs> hey, even Moses, he really didn't say all the words, if you know. It was Aaron who said everything. Moses just stood there looking, Whatever. He just was scaring everybody. So anyway, so she goes back and, and somehow got into the conversation, whatever. You know, that's kind of an awkward thing to bring up. But said, Tracy, we prayed for you. And we believe God said that if, if you want, if you're willing, we'll pray for you and God will heal you and you'll have children. He'll give you children. Wow. She wasn't even a believer. Yeah. Just a, you know. She, you know, she was just kind of like shocked. She's like, I just want kids. I just want kids. All right, I'll pray. I can pray for that. She didn't understand healing or any of that. She just wanted kids. All right, okay. We came home. We prayed. She has two boys. After two boys, she had a hysterectomy. Because they had to. Somehow. She got two boys. And it was neat because uh, my son, when he was a freshman, he played basketball. And so we went to our hometown. We, our hometown teams played, and they played against each other. It was pretty cool. It's just, you know, I don't know if she remembers that. I don't know, you know. I don't know the whole, but hey, God, when God speaks, something's going to happen. But we have to be obedient. So sometimes it's a word for someone else. Uh, sometimes uh, the word can come through uh, in a spiritual way. Here's an example. So a couple, about three years ago or so, 
I was in a weird transition in my life. I just felt like, boy, I don't see how God, I don't see a way how I can be the man you want me to be, who I think you've called me to be. You ever been in a situation like that? You just, you don't see a way out or you feel stuck or, or confused. Well, you know what you got? Go to the Lord. He'll show you. He'll show you. So in my prayer time, at lunch, and I remember, because I looked it up yesterday, I wrote down my notebook. It was on September 30th of 2013, so almost exactly three years ago. Wow. And so I'm praying in the Spirit. And a theme came into my heart, and I heard one word. It was stand, stand. And so I'm praying, and so I'm, oh, stand. And so and I have a habit of um, speaking out what the Lord gives me. I've just kind of developed that in my own personal life for me of speaking like psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And so I'll have like a theme while I'm praying in my heart. And so I'll just start speaking that. It's probably similar, similar to um, when Sister Chris, you know, plays a prophetic song on the guitar. I imagine, I haven't talked to her about it, but we could ask her about it, is that when she's up there playing and she's singing a song, and usually one song leads right into that prophetic song, maybe she, she gets like the first line in her heart. Maybe she just feels like a theme of salvation or... or or repentance, or she'll, she'll feel that theme in her heart, and she'll just start singing, boom, and God's given his words as she's obedient. So, that, so that's what I started to do. You can develop that, by the way. Every single one of you can develop. If you want to know more about that, come two Wednesdays, and Pastor Carlos will talk about that. <laughs> Prophecy, tongues and t- interpretation of tongues. So stand, 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 stand strong, stand strong, and it won't be long until what you see in me will come to be. Yeah. Whew. Stand strong. Stand strong. Stand strong. And it won't be long until what you see in me comes to be. And I kept... Stand strong. Stand strong. And it won't be long until what you see in me comes to be. And so that word was like, boom, an anchor put in my heart. And I wrote it down. And I, and I say it all the time. I'm standing strong, Lord. And I know it won't be long until what I see in thee will come to be. See, that was a word for me... Then it's a word for me now. And you know what? I tell you, I'm not there yet, you know. I'm not 100% into God's perfect will, you know. I'm not, all the dreams of mine haven't come fulfilled yet. But I'm not the man I was three years ago. Now looking back, I'm like, God, I see how you moved me here. And you came through there. And you rearranged all this crap in my heart there. And uh, and I had to go through this, this, and that. But look, on the other side, what, what happened? Because I stood strong, and I had that word, and I wouldn't let go of it. That was a word for me then and now. You know what I'm saying? God speaks to us. He wants to move in our lives, but sometimes we got to get that word of God. Other times it's the Scripture. You ever read the Bible, and sometimes the Scripture just jumps out at you? That's for me. Boom. you got to take that Scripture, put it in your heart, start putting it in your mouth, and start doing what it says to do. God will come through. He'll do the work. You know, it's like walking on a journey. We'll wrap it up with this, but Ezekiel didn't just get converted one day, and suddenly the next day he's speaking to the dry bones. If you read about Ezekiel, his whole life study about him, you know, he was raised from a child in the priesthood, became a prophet, and God worked in his life many different ways through different crazy things. But it's a journey. Walking with God's a journey. But you got to get on the road with them. You got to start taking steps. 
Don't just think because, hey, I became a Christian yesterday, baptizing the Holy Ghost the next, and I'm going to start preaching to the nations. You know, Jeremiah, I'm a prophet to the nations now. No. (laughs) Take one step at a time. Find out what God has to say. Put his word into practice every day. Start walking with him. You know, you got to know how to work. You got to know how to pay your tithes. You, you got to find your place in the church where you can, you know, serve and, and be a blessing to others. You got to figure out how to preach the gospel in your community and your sphere of influence. You got to be a witness and a light. Work on that. You got to get on the road. I don't know where you are today in your journey. To some of you, you might feel like you're in the valley of dry bones. You might feel like you are the dry bones. You might feel like God put you in that valley of dry bones, and and he's showing you around. Look at all this dry bones, just like Ezekiel did. What was Ezekiel's response to God when he asked him, Hey, can these bones live? You, Lord. You know. That wasn't, some people read that like as a doubting thing. Like, I don't know. Maybe you do. No, it was like, God, you know. Yeah. Show me what to do. Yeah. It was a confidence in the Lord. I, I don't know what you want to do here, Lord, but I, I know you know something's going on. Maybe you're in that place. Today I believe God's asking you a question. Can these bones live? What's your response? Can your marriage live? Can your relationships be restored? Can you be a light to the nations? Can your body be healed? Can your life get back on track? Can you preach the gospel? What's your response today? Will you go? God, we know you know. Now show us, Lord, your will. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for having a plan. We know that you have a plan. We know that you have ways and means. We know that you're always working and moving. Father, you have so many good things in store for us that we have no concept of even yet. Lord, you want to do something in our lives that we think right now it's impossible. It can't even be done. But Father, you've got a plan. You know something we don't know yet. And it's life. It's life to dry bones. So Father, I commit myself today to find out what you have to say for me. I need to know what you know. I need to be who you need me to be. You've given us so much spiritual heritage, Father. We don't even deserve it, but you've given it to us. You've given men and women of God from old, from thousands of years ago who 
make a difference in our lives today. You've given us pastors and mentors like Pastor Keith Stepp who've just blazed the way before us. Who have now handed off the baton and said, Go! Go, my brothers and my sisters. It's your turn. Go be the light. So, Father, we don't take that for granted today, but we appreciate it. We take on the mantle that you provided. We ask for a double portion of their spirits that we may see your kingdom come here that we may see lives continue to be changed marriages be restored lost children come home communities change the crime rates drop the abortions cease the name of Jesus lifted up in schools Not because of something the government has done, but because something the people has done. And something that you've done in us. If you're here today, and that that has tugged on your heartstrings, that I need to commit to the Lord in these things. I need to find out who He is, what He wants me to do. I need to start being about His business. If you want, come forward. We'll pray with you today. Father, I ask your blessing upon each person here, that they go from this place encouraged, build up and strengthen, that you'd use them in their communities, use them in their workplace and in their families, that they would truly be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, that they would trust in you and start speaking your word and acting on what you've told them. And we know, Father, that your power will make something good happen. Be blessed in Jesus' name. If you need prayer, please come up. We'll pray with you. Otherwise, see you Thursday and next Sunday.